Welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I am uh, Joe Works in Elmira, New York. Joining us uh, as usual is uh, Jeff Byers and Chase Smelser. Good to have it. Oh, no, wait, uh, Jeff Smelser. And you know what's Jay really Byers. funny, Joe? My dad's actual name is Jeff. <laughs> ah. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jeff Smelser is in Exton, Pennsylvania. How are you today, Jeff? Doing very well. How are you doing over there in Harrisburg, son? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. Hanging in there, waiting for this podcast to finally get going. All right. <laughs> well, in order for it to get going, I uh, encourage uh, those that are following along to open their Bibles to Philippians, the third chapter. Philippians chapter three, we continue our study in the uh, this book, uh, as we've been doing the last few weeks, um, uh, really wrapping the book up, right? Uh, Philippians 3.1 uh, in the New King James, at least, begins with the word finally. So, um, uh, But lo and behold, we're only halfway done, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because yes. he'll say finally again in chapter 4, verse 8. And I'm not really sure to what make of that, to make of that, but it does seem like a lot of us preachers who will say finally two or three times before yes. we get done? <laughs> yeah, this is the pre-conclusion to the sermon, uh, exactly. Uh, so uh, powerful stuff we've already looked at in the book. Uh, just quickly highlighting chapter two: uh, amazing example of Jesus who humbled himself, became a servant, uh, and then you have both Timothy. Uh, and Epaphroditus, uh, who follow that image um, of, of Christ by humbling themselves and, and serving others, uh, the things that Paul has to say to regarding his fellow workers there. Um, and so now he's going to, to turn his attention uh, back to some of the things that he had maybe alluded to in chapter one, um, but also emphasizing uh his relationship with the Lord and uh, um, where he puts his confidence. So uh, any thoughts, any other thoughts before we jump into the third chapter here? No, glad you took a minute just to kind of talk about how we got here, but now we're here, so let's go. Okay, one of you all want to uh, begin reading. How about the uh, uh, first 11 verses? I, I'm not sure exactly where you all would break this. Uh, sure, I'll take it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not irksome, but for you it is safe. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if any other man thinks to have confidence in the flesh, I yet more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, as touching zeal, persecuting the church, as touching the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. How be it? What things were gained to me, these have I counted loss for Christ." Yea, verily, and I count all things to be lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuse, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having a righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming conformed unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection from the dead. All right. Um, I'm, good. I'm going to take a moment. Apparently, I, I've got us on speaker view according to my screen here, but you guys are saying you're still seeing it on gallery view. Yep. Yep. I'm looking at the Facebook feed now. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So I'm back to gallery view and now I'm yep. back to speaker yep. view. That fixed it. That fixed it. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Very good. So uh, the first verse uh, kind of. Uh, continues our major theme in Philippians, would you say? Uh, rejoice in the Lord. Um, uh, he's emphasized that several times already, and will do so uh, even more in the rest of the third and fourth chapter. Um, uh, this relationship that the Philippians have with Jesus uh, gives them cause for uh, great contentment and, and rejoicing. But with that rejoicing, there is a need to beware. And so, Jeff, your translation says that it is not uh, irksome. Yeah. Um, uh, that is, is it, that's American standard? American standard. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, so New King James says tedious. Um, you know, this is, this is not a problem for, for Paul. He, it, it's, he, he wants to spend time on this. Um, uh, he's already talked to the, the Christians in Philippi about this, but uh, for him to, to write the same things is, is not an issue. And so the major problem is that there are false people out there, dogs, he calls them, evil workers. Let's just for, for everyone out there kind of talk about that idea of the dogs. When, when a first century guy saying, beware of the dogs, we, he doesn't have the same idea that possibly we might have when it comes to dogs, does he? We think of nice little poodles sitting in our lap that yeah. we pet them and all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or or a St. Bernard. Uh, I don't know why Jeff went for the poodle. But nonetheless, I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's crazy that, that in our culture today, we don't really see dogs the same way. But I, I got a little bit of insight from this um, whenever we went to Sierra Leone, West Africa, and the dogs that were around there, they were not like your pets that you wanted sleeping in the room with you. <laughs> they, they, they were a nuisance. They were annoying. If you didn't really get near them, they would kind of hang around you. Um, there wasn't really anything you could do about that, but you didn't walk up and pet them. Uh, you, you certainly weren't going to do that. You didn't trust them. Um, they, they were shifty. They were an animal that was just seen as a nuisance and in the way. Um, and that's really the idea of the dogs here as well, if I'm not mistaken. Well, dogs were unclean yeah, I, I think in Jewish culture. Um, of course, he's writing to Christians in a in a Roman city, Philippians. But yeah, okay, go ahead, Joe. What were we gonna say? Well, I, I was just say maybe, maybe think about scavenger dogs, and and that's that sort of uh, concept of of a pack of wild dogs uh, that are just ravenous. They are looking for for meat, um, uh, and they're they're not willing. They're not the uh, they're not going to hesitate to bite or to, to devour. Um, uh, that's the impression that I get of, of these uh, individuals. Uh, he is not speaking favorably of them. By the time we get to the end of the chapter, 
um, if we're talking about the same individuals, they're enemies of the cross of Christ, verse 18. Um, so yeah, th this, is, th this is a serious, dangerous group of evil workers that Paul is, is talking about. Um, they, they, they're practicing mutilation at the end of verse 2, uh, play on words there for, uh, he says, we are the circumcision at the beginning of verse 3, uh, the, the, the true Israelites, if you will, uh, these people practicing circumcision and yet uh, only doing so for external reasons. Um, he contrasts that at the end of verse 3. Uh, they Paul says, we have no confidence in the flesh. Evidently, these individuals were seeking to circumcise the Gentile Christians in Philippi, like we read about in Galatians and other books. Um, uh, and so they were having confidence in the flesh instead of in Christ. Yeah, and just to spell that out, circumcision, of course, mo most everybody knows, but some don't. It's a process of removing skin. We, for our infant boys, usually there's a little bit of skin removed from um, the male organ. And so the Jews took pride in that. That was the sign amongst the Jews that they were the chosen people. And now in Christ, of course, that that is of no, no account. Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the circumcision of the heart that matters. But these people have confidence. They have pride. Look, I've got that piece of skin cut off. So I'm, I'm, I'm all set with God. And, and just when you put it that way, what a bizarre thought. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Paul, Paul is wanting the Philippians to truly see how dangerous uh, these teachers are that are coming in. Uh, because what they're going to be doing is, is drawing them away from uh, the Lord, right? Um, with, with having confidence in the flesh instead of in the, the spirit. Verse 3, we worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Verse 3. So Paul then begins to sort of like a 2 Corinthians 11, if he were going to speak foolishly, you know, if anybody is going to have confidence in the flesh, let me tell you, I, I could, Paul yeah. says begins to list his, uh, his resume here, which is quite impressive. Um, you know, you don't get to choose when you were circumcised, but he was circumcised on the day. So his family has followed the right rules. He's from Israel, specifically from Benjamin, a respected tribe, Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee, extremely focused in on the law. Uh, often we think of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, but but they were also quite concerned with serving God according to the word. Now, many of them were doing so uh, with misunderstandings, but, but he was serious about his, uh, his walk with God. And Jesus would rebuke Pharisees for exalting their own traditions above the word of God. But the fact is, they did have a reputation for being very strict. So Paul describes the Pharisees as the straightest or strictest sect of our religion, the strictest sect of Judaism in Acts chapter 26 and verse 5. Very good. Very good. And uh, he was zealous, verse 6, he uh, describes how he persecuted the church. Um, you know, if anybody's going to brag about what you did in the flesh from, a, uh, from an Israelite vantage point, uh, Paul has every reason uh, to, to do that. Um, Jeff, you are our uh, Greek uh, 
uh, go-to guy. In verse 3, I think in our translations, it says rejoice in Christ Jesus, um, like it does in verse 1. But in verse 3, it's a different word for rejoice, right? It's the idea of glorying. Um, and maybe, maybe some translations even say glory. Yeah. Do, New yeah, American glory. Standard says glory in Christ. Yeah, okay. it, it is a different right. word. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so that's where are, we, where are they putting their glory? Where, where are they putting their uh, confidence in uh, Paul saying, if I wanted to put it in the flesh, oh, I certainly could. So to give, to just give a, a little bit of a nuance to it, it's a, it's a word that in some contexts could be translated as boasting. What do you take pride in? Do you take mm-hmm. pride in, rejoicing is one thing, but boasting in, taking pride in something, glorying in something, that's another thing. And so the question here is, that you're asking is, what do we take pride in? Do we take pride in something we've done? Do we take pride in an act of circumcision or what? And he goes on to say, our glory, our boasting is in Christ Jesus. I think we have a song, forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ. Did I get those words right? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, great, great connection. We ought to, we ought to reflect on that when we sing that song. Very, very helpful indeed. Um, and, you know, we ought to think carefully about um, maybe some of the things that we would think are, that, that they, they set us apart um, that, that make that they make us special that, that show that we are right or righteous or whatever you know somebody might say well uh, I go to the Church of Christ uh, or uh, you know I've been preaching for these many years or you know whatever whatever confidence in the flesh that an individual might have they need to understand the attitude that Paul takes regarding those beginning in verse seven. I might've used to have bragged about those things, Paul said. I, I, I counted those as gain, but now they are lost for, for Christ. Um, and, and those are not bad things. Now, persecuting the church was, um, but, but these are not being circumcised on the eighth day, being from Benjamin. Uh, those were not bad things, certainly not being uh, uh, concerning righteousness in the law or uh, being zealous, uh, blameless, th- those are, generally speaking, positive things. Paul says, I'm not putting my trust in those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, the, the, it's Christ that, that I am focused on. And particularly, verse 8, count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Uh, I, I want to know the Lord. I, I want to forget these things um and and i want to to know the lord and and the thing is from a worldly perspective what paul counted as loss or as something not to be he he didn't he didn't spend time fretting about the loss of it but what he just said it's nothing it means nothing what he counted that way Mm -hmm. was actually something that in worldly terms was quite impressive you look at all the credentials he describes here, and then you remember that as a young man, he had papers, he had authority from the highest official in Judaism, from the high priest, uh, the highest official in Judaism in the entire world, uh, authorizing him to go to foreign countries and arrest people. And that's quite impressive as a young man to to be given that kind of authority uh, from that source. uh, It tells you something about the track he was on, and if he had continued in it, 
He could have been truly a star in Judaism, in the Jewish world. But to give that up was nothing to him because it didn't make him righteous. But in Christ Jesus, he could be righteous. Absolutely. Yeah, per perfectly stated. Uh, and it's the knowledge of Christ that, that he is striving for. He goes on, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Uh, he did. As he turned to Christ, all of those things in uh, verses 5 and 6 uh, crumbled away. Um, uh, you know, he's rejected by the Jewish leaders. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he is, they, they tried to kill him over and over, right? Um, uh, he suffered those things. But what he gained was, was Christ. Uh, we just can't uh, understand, we cannot overstate the significance of gaining Christ. Um, perhaps we don't think about that as, as often as we should. Uh, we need to think carefully about what the Lord, about what our relationship with the Lord has, has given us, certainly in contrast to the, the rubbish that we lost. I love how he says that in verse eight. So, it's it's trash. Uh, it, 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 these things are do not have any value in Paul's mind. So let's think about it in our perspective. I mean, there there may be some listening today on, on the podcast that are 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 people from the Jewish faith that converted to Christianity, but but probably majority of listeners aren't. What might be some things we could put on a list that we have to give up for the sake of Christ? Things that we no longer can boast in, but before before following Jesus, things we might have been tempted to boast in or were tempted or were actually boasting in. What, what might be on that list, do you guys think? Education, uh, I think, is one of the big things. Uh, people put a lot of, of stock in, you know, well, what, what college did you go to or what seminary did you go to? And, and, and there is nothing wrong in and of themselves. There's nothing in and of itself, though. Uh, there, there's, there's nothing wrong in and of themselves to, to go to college or to, to go to a, a place where you're studying the Bible. But to think that that elevates you to a certain position because of that is dangerous. Baptized as a baby. I, I have conversations with people from time to time, and they say, well, I was baptized when I was a baby. I'm all set. Of course, they weren't actually even baptized. But, and then there are people who truly were baptized at some point in their life. They were immersed. And uh, they, they take confidence in that. Now, baptism is for the remission of sins, but it's because and if we are baptized into Christ's death, so that it's Christ's death that we would be having confidence in. But there are people who did not put to death any old man, and they got dunked in water at some point, and they just said, well, I got baptized, so they have confidence in that outward act, separated from any kind of spiritual renewal. Uh, that would be another thing. You know, C.J. Marshall just commented and I, I, said power uh, would certainly be another one of those. Power and success. Uh, I think we often will put a lot of confidence in those things. You know, I have X amount of people at my disposal at any point of time. Um, I, I have this much power in the company and, and because of my money, my success, whatever. And that's what makes me a valuable person. But in Christ, we have to count that as rubbish. So that's a great point. Sure. Uh, religiously, I, I go to church every Sunday. Um, you know that 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 ought to that ought to show that, that I'm right with the Lord, right? Um, you know, con, con, concerning righteousness. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, so the I'm, I'm, is none I'm, of those things in and of themselves take away what we've done wrong, and it's what we've done wrong that makes us unrighteous. And so, to be righteous, we have to have what exactly. we've done wrong taken away. 
And it's only the death of Christ that can do that. Perfect. And, and that's where verse 9 takes us, right? To be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Um, and, and so he said in verse 8, the, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You know, those are things that Paul really wanted to know. Um, he, he says that he's forgotten those other things. Um, uh, and, he, or he will say that, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. He, he will say forgetting those other things. Um, and do, do we, how much do we spend, how much time do we spend thinking about the power of his resurrection and uh, the fellowship of his sufferings? Um, our, our time needs to be spent on considering how great the Lord is and what he's done for us to make us righteous in God's eyes. Other thoughts there through verse 11. Well, so just kind of summing it up then, what there were these teachers, <clears throat> these Judaizing teachers, who were still trying to make the case that God really is only for Jews. And Gentiles, if they want to be a part of this, they're going to have to keep the law of Moses, and they're going to have to be circumcised. And uh, that way, essentially, they become Jews, and then they can be accepted. And so Paul is making the case, look, all of the things that we thought made us righteous in a physical way, or all the physical things we thought made us righteous, they don't, they don't do it. And so quit thinking that being a Jew, being circumcised, keeping the law of Moses, is what's going to make you righteous. It's going to be Christ. And uh, so I'm going to give all of those things up for the sake of Christ. And then the righteousness that I'm going to have is a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not one that I achieved on my own. And so his ultimate goal in this text, at least, is to attain to the resurrection from the dead, verse 11. Uh, so what does he need to do to, in order to attain to the resurrection of the dead? He needs to know Christ. He needs to know his sufferings. He needs to know his death. He needs to know his resurrection. Those are the things that he's emphasizing in verse 10. Um, that's, that's how he will attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now, listen, by the time Paul writes Philippians, it, it is well established his faithfulness to the Lord. I mean, He's got his ticket punched, right? Uh, there, there's, there's no, you know, if anybody's going to be saved, uh, it's going to be Paul. And yet he realizes that there is still work for him to do in his own life. Verses 12 through 16, especially. Yeah, and I, I want to throw an idea out to you guys, and I've not had a lot of success winning converts to this way of thinking. Uh, and, and you guys can shoot it down if you like. But you said that what Paul has in view here is the resurrection of the dead. I think you're right. I think he still has that in view in verse 12 when he says, not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect. That word made perfect. I think he's looking at the resurrection. If we go back to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete it. Now, it's a different word in Philippians 3.12, but it's a related word. This idea of completing the work 
until the day of Jesus Christ, speaks of a process whereby God brings us to completion, and the end result is the resurrection, when we receive the glorified body and the glory of being with the Lord in heaven, and, and now God's work is accomplished, it's perfected, it's completed. So in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 11, when Paul says, that's his goal, to attain unto the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained, I've not already gotten it, or am already made perfect. Now, the, the verb used here in, in verse 12 of chapter 3 is used in various contexts where it could well be translated, and may be translated in some, context, in some versions, accomplish. Not that I've already been accomplished. Right? Think, would that be that, another word? Huh? Completed. Would that Completed, be another word? Yeah, yeah. So, so well, he, back in chapter 1, verse 6, he was talking about God perfecting it or, or uh, bringing it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, the resurrection. So then the question arises, well, that seems obvious. Why would he need to say, if he, if he has in mind the resurrection, why would he need to say, not that I've already been accomplished, not that I've already been prefer, per, perfected? And there were those who were teaching the resurrection was already passed. There were those who were teaching in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, and what is it, about verse 12, 13, 14, who were teaching the resurrection is already passed, apparently thinking the only resurrection there is is really the, one, the spiritual resurrection that takes place when you're baptized into Christ. But Paul teaches there is a resurrection coming, and he's looking forward to that, a bodily resurrection. And I think that's what he's referring to here in verse 12 when he says, not that I have already obtained or I'm already made perfect. Well, I'm, I'm sorry that you're not going to convert me to that thinking. Uh, that was already my thinking. Oh, okay. uh, that probably described. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, good. But I mean, it, I, I, would, I would suggest that he, he doesn't change that topic. We, we go all the way through to the very end of the chapter. Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. We're, we're talking about the resurrection all the way through this section. Well, Joe, some people say great minds think alike, and what this just now proves is that even puny minds think alike sometimes. <laughs> yeah, ours, ours do also, yes. <laughs> all right. Go so, ahead. Chase, do you want to be the and out, or what's your... You know, I, honestly, I had always read into that as being the resurrection of Jesus, obviously verse 10, but especially verse 11. But after putting that together, Jeff, you have successfully won me over. You are, uh, you are a, uh, a Philippians 3 verse 11 soul winner. So congratulations. <laughs> All right. And, and, and so I, I think that is helpful to recognize, though, that prominent teaching in the first century that various epistles deal with. Um, and so we ought not to be surprised that we see it from these false teachers, these, these men who are putting confidence in the flesh, which, which almost seems contradictory then um, uh, what they're doing. Uh, is he combining two different false teachings or are these individuals who are somehow twisting with sort of their special knowledge of things, uh, of the dark ways of the Lord or something like that? I don't know, but it is interesting that when we get over into uh, 2 Timothy, where Paul is talking about Hymenaeus, Hymenaeus and Philetus, uh, he also includes Hymenaeus among those who were teaching the 
Gnostic doctrines, and then and, and if you look at First, Second Timothy, and Titus all together, he wraps that into the Judaizing influence. So maybe, maybe you get the impression that it was not a great problem at Philippi. It, you know, he writes to the Galatians, the churches of Galatia, and it's obvious this teaching has had a profound influence among them, the Judaizing teaching. You don't get the impression it has right. greatly affected the Philippians. You get more, it's more the impression Paul wants him to be aware. Be aware of this if it comes your way. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so someone help me out with this. All right. So going into 12 through 16. So if we're taking the attaining the resurrection from the dead being Paul's resurrection one day along with everyone else, verse 12. Now that I have already obtained it, or not that I have already obtained it, that it there would be the resurrection from the dead, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Would that also be a, a, the idea of the resurrection as well? The, at the end, we'll be caught up with the Lord in the air and take on our new bodies and go to be with Jesus. Um, would that be consistent? I hadn't really thought I, I, about that. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I, I think so. I mean, uh, the, the idea of the upward call. Uh, so it's a calling from above, and it, we're already dealing with Christians. Uh, I, I think that this is seeking to go and be with the Lord, what he talked about in Philippians, the first chapter. Uh -huh. I, you may, that very well may be that there's a very literal reference in the upward, the high idea there to the resurrection. Um, there is at least also a contrast here with the, the old things under the law. And so when he says, forgetting the things that are behind, um, he's talking about the things that, that may have uh, been um, the, the glory of some, the Judaizers, for example, it says forgetting, and then Paul himself, forgetting the things that I had, the things he's already enumerated back in verse uh, five, verses four and five, those are the things behind, I press on to that which is in Christ Jesus. What is it that's in Christ Jesus? What is this high calling of God? Now you're bringing up the possibility that in that high calling, there's a literal reference to being to ascending to glory maybe there is i hadn't thought about that well neither have i so i think we're ahead of ourselves a little bit we didn't read 12 through 16 yet did we no i, I mean i just read 12 through 14 so we, we can whatever you want to do brother okay yeah let's let's go ahead and, and let's go ahead and finish off the chapter reading if you, you want to do that chase yeah sure uh verse 12 it says, now that I, uh, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize at the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in, in, in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example. 
and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Four one also, please. I'm sorry. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Yeah, I, four four one is the conclusion that the to that. Uh, so he begins with that. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Three one, four one. Therefore, stand fast in the Lord. Uh, and so uh, you remain in the Lord even in the midst of these dogs, evil workers false circumcision, uh, heresies regarding the, the resurrection. Uh, keep your faith uh, in the Lord and be steadfast in, in him is what he's trying to drive the point home. Um, and, and he shows that, that these evil workers, um, uh, that they, it is not an insignificant thing what they are teaching. Sometimes people have in their minds that, well, it doesn't really make any difference. Um, so for this, this doctrine, it did, because these people were enemies of the cross of Christ. Um, uh, that seems pretty significant uh, to me. Um, not all religious roads lead to salvation. And uh, Paul's strongly warning against them here. Other so thoughts there? What about uh, then when we get to Philippians chapter 3 and was it verse 15? I've got to get back to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15. Let us therefore as many as are perfect. So we were talking about perfect earlier, but now he's talking about some who already are perfect. Does that mean he's talking about somebody who've already, some who've already been raised from the dead? No. <laughs> uh, so my translation says mature. Uh, yeah. I think that's helpful. Uh, th those who are, are truly seeking to know the Lord. If you're mistaken on something, if you don't understand something, at, but you have fellowship with the Lord, you're pursuing him, the Lord will reveal that to, uh, to them. I don't believe that that's, you know, in a dream or in a mystical way, uh, but the Lord provides for us the knowledge that we need. And I think all of us could probably tell stories where uh, the Lord has, has done just that, giving us better insight. Think about, you know, just one quick biblical example, the Ethiopian uh, on the road to Gaza uh, in Acts the eighth chapter. Here he is, he's searching for the Lord, he's reading the scriptures. God puts Philip in his path. Um, the, the Lord reveals things to us if we are seeking after him wanting to know what's right. Okay. I, if I can share just a quick story. Um, there, there was a, a time that I was, was doing a lesson on racism um, and specifically, you know, the fact that James two says that it's, if you show partiality, you commit sin. Um, and after I got done preaching that lesson, I was approached by somebody who had expressed to me, that they didn't believe racism was a problem. 
Um, they didn't believe that, especially in the local church where I preached this at, they didn't think it was a problem at all. Um, and their attitude was that this didn't need to be talked about because it's just not a problem. And about that time, as they were telling me that I, I shouldn't have talked about this, this little lady walked up and she said, I'm really glad you talked about this today. Uh, my, my husband is a very racist man. And it rubs off on me sometimes. And I too have attitudes toward people and prejudices toward people that are not Christ-like. And I appreciate you talking about this because it gave me some things I can work on. And she, she walked away, you know, and he's still standing there. And I just glanced back over at him and he said, enough said. And he, <laughs> he went on. And I, I believe, I do believe there was an attitude in him that wasn't right. Um, I believe that, that he wasn't, fully aware of how bad this problem was sometimes in the Lord's church. And the Lord revealed this attitude problem to him. Um, and he was, here's the cool thing about this brother. He was willing to correct it as soon as he saw it. Um, and so anyways, I, that might be a misapplication of this verse, but that that's one time I saw something like that happen in person that I, I was very encouraged by. So backing up uh, in the verse, just I mean, a little bit. doesn't Jesus. Sorry, go, go ahead, ahead, Joe. Oh, no, you, you go ahead. I was, I was going to change the subject just a little bit. So if you're still uh, on the on the okay. be thus minded, Lord will reveal it to him. Stay there. Yeah, just really quickly then. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. Uh, you know, if, if we are doing those things, God will help us out. Uh, and so I think your illustration is a good one, Chase. Um, we need to have our ears and eyes open to to receive those corrections and, and teaching so that we can have a better understanding of the Lord's will. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to back up to the first part of verse 15, where the American Standard says, let us therefore as many as are perfect. What does yours say? Mature. Mature, right. It is the same word as in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, solid food is for full-grown men or, or mature. It's the same word as in Matthew 5, I think it's about verse 48, um, be therefore perfect even as your father is perfect uh, when you love all men, not just your, your friends, so, um, mature. So it's not the same word at the end of verse 11 in chapter 3? It's, it's a related, uh, let's see, 11 or 12? Uh, 11, uh, 12, sorry. Yeah, 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 my bad. Okay, uh, so it's a related word. Uh, it's not the same word. In verse okay. 12, you actually have a verb, and what you have here uh, in verse, uh, what, where are we, verse 15, mm -hmm. is, a, is an adjective. Okay, cool. And, and, and we use the word maturity in, in those different ways. Mm -hmm. We might talk about a, a bond or something, reaching maturity. Uh, reaching the, the point of its completion and so forth. Or we might talk about a young person, usually not me, reaching a level of maturity. But we're not talking about the same kind of maturity in those right. situations. Good illustration. So I, I don't want to run out of time. I, I, this just fascinates me. Uh, uh, verse 20, when Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven, we touched on that when we were talking about Philippians 1.27, that it's essentially the same uh, idea there, same word, right? Um, uh, poly something or other. Yeah. Um, 
So what strikes me about this is that Paul chooses to do that in Philippians 1.27 and 3.20. I hope I didn't say this a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, dealing with the Christians in Philippi, which was a, a veteran city. It, it's where the, the Romans had, had established the city of Philippi, if I understand it right, to, to be a city that when you retired from the military, you could go there and live. Uh, and so it would be a very patriotic city, um, and he appeals to them, you remember where your real citizenship is. He does that with Romans. Uh, you know, uh, he, when he wants to talk about, uh, when, when Paul wants to insert in the, in the scriptures the, the necessity to obey the government, he chooses Romans to do that. Uh, right in the seat of, uh, of power. You need to make sure you pay taxes and obey the government. They're established by God. Um, when he wants to talk about the, the fact that we are the temple of God, he does that in Ephesians, where they had uh, their, 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 false, their, their false idols and their, and their temples of, of Diana. Uh, it just, it's interesting how Paul, how, how the scriptures attack these carnal thinking, and, and, and does it just head on in, in such a, a contrasting way? I don't know if I can explain myself very well. Well, I, I, what you're saying brings something to mind in your statement that people would have had a very patriotic sense in Philippi. Think about Philippi is in Macedonia. It's not, it's not Rome, and it's not even in Italy. And, uh, and yet, here's this city where there are all these people who had served in the Roman military, and they could say, we are Romans. And in that context, Paul says, well, if you're a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven. And we who live in the United States of America need to develop that mindset of, for all the pride that a lot of people are going to have in the United States of America. If we're Christians, we said, wait a second, that's not where my pride is. And we talked about things we might boast in earlier. That's not where my pride is. Uh, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And whether, whether the United States of America is something to be proud of or not something to be proud of. That's really not what it's all about to me. And if there are certain aspects of the United States of America that are great and certain aspects that are disappointing, the fact is I don't need to get overly joyous about the wonderful things, nor do I need to overly despair about how bad things are because my citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful concept? going both ways. I appreciate that balance that you stated. Um, you know, if, if for anybody who's ever spent time in a foreign country, you, you don't become absorbed in the politics or, you know, any other major issue, what we think of as a major national issue, you don't become infatuated with that or obsessed with that because you're just passing through that land. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I spent, because of the airplane difficulties, I spent a night in, in Senegal. Uh, I, I was kind of interested in Senegal. I never knew that I would ever be there, but I didn't like investigate and, you know, when I arrived and like, okay, so what kind of government do you have? And uh, who's it, what's the name of your president? And uh, those things were, were, were not relevant to me. And I'm not saying that we need to be completely unconcerned but we ought to see ourselves as simply temporary residents here looking to go to be with the Lord, yeah. for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Amen.
And, and it's even more powerful, verse 20. He says, for which we also eagerly wait. <laughs> um, you know, uh, raise your hand if you want to go to heaven. Sure. Somebody once said that, you know, the preacher had asked that question, and then somebody said, well, wait, do you mean right now? You know, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Paul's eagerly waiting. He wants, he, it's, a, it's a far better place. He's already talked about in chapter one. Uh, we need to, to have a longing to be with the Lord. There's reasons to stay. Paul established those in chapter one. But our, our heart needs to be in heaven. It needs to be with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, if I can squeeze in 25 seconds, a thought back on verse 16. Uh, only where until we've attained by that same rule, let us walk. I've heard that argued. What that means is whatever level of knowledge you have, walk by that. And the practical matter, that's all you can do. But that's not what Paul is saying here. He uses much the same language in Galatians, the fifth chapter, or Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 16. As many as shall walk by this rule, peace be upon them. Now, the word rule in the American standard does not actually uh, occur in the Greek text in Philippians 3.16. In the American standard, they put it in italics by that same rule in italics. They've added it there. Let us walk. But the reason they've added it is because uh, it's so reminiscent of Galatians 6.15, where it does have the word rule, and then you compare the two contexts. In Galatians 6, he's talking about trusting in circumcision and having confidence in the flesh. And we need to understand neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything but a new creature in Christ. Walk by that rule. And that's the point here in Philippians 3.16. What have we attained to? We've left behind the things that we took pride in in the law. We've attained to Christ. Let's walk by that rule, the rule of Christ. And so this perfect place to stop because at the end there in verse 16, let us be of the same mind. That's where we're going to start in chapter four and in verse two then. Uh, so those go hand in hand, right? Yeah, exactly. Very good. Well, thanks everybody for joining us uh, this afternoon. Uh, may the Lord bless you and uh, encourage you. Rejoice in the Lord. Stand fast in the Lord.